You unlock this door with the key of imagination. Beyond it is another dimension. A dimension of sound. A dimension of sight. A dimension of mind. You're moving into a land of both shadow and substance, of things and ideas. You've just crossed over into the Twilight Zone. What is happening? It's You're listening to the AME Radio Show. Welcome to the AME Radio Show. I'm your host, Jason Dowd. I am super excited that you guys have joined me this Saturday night to talk about art, music, and entertainment. Now, i got a great show for you guys. Uh, I have a couple of great guests coming up. We also are going to be talking about something that I think is important for us to understand, but it helps us understand humankind and where we've come and how you can apply it to your own ambitions or passions or dreams or whatever it may be. However, before we get into anything, I want you to go check out my website. It's www.theamemagazine.com. Go there when you get a chance. Not right now because we got things to, t- to discuss and talk about. But when you're there, we got links to all of our social media networks. Like them, follow us, whatever the terminology may be. You can also get our app on there. Uh, it's for the Apple and the um, Android. So whatever platform you have, there's an app for you and you can stay you can stay up to date with what we got going on. So check that out. as well. Our first guest is Daphne Reed. You know her probably best as Aunt Viv from The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. She has been in some amazing shows along her, her career from the 70s and 80s. She is a artist. She is so creative. It just oozes out of her skin. I am so inspired to be able to talk to her about art. And this is going to be a whole new side that you probably haven't seen from Daphne Reed. Then we have coming up, her name is Shelley Scandrani. She is an amazing actress. She is in front of the camera, behind the camera. She is so creative, and I am so glad that we got a chance to talk to her about the things that she has coming up. She's got some new movies coming out, uh, some stuff that's going to be on uh, the internet, and I think you guys are going to be really inspired by her as well. She's got a great story. She comes from Israel. And uh, she is making ways here in America, living the American dream. And we love that and embrace it. So I cannot wait to get into a discussion with her. Also, uh, before we go to our first break, I wanted to talk to you guys about something. It's called the What If Factor. The What If Factor, believe it or not, has been the inspiration behind humankind for as long as we've been on this earth. And what I love about the What If Factor is it's something that we all need to embrace, you never stop asking what if. And it doesn't matter what profession you're in, what you're doing in life, it challenges you to think outside the box. What if this happens? What happens if this goes on? What will things end up doing? That is the what if factor. And that is such a powerful statement and a powerful thing to remember. Because if we stop asking what if, everything's every there's nothing else that matters you know we got to keep discovering we got to keep pushing ourselves we got to keep focusing on things that we want to accomplish i had the same factor and i said what if i become a photographer and i actually make something that impacts people and tells a story i'm doing it what if i decided to open up my own television network and put out my own work and show things that matter to people and tell a story. I'm doing it. And that's because I asked what if. Can I do it? Of course I can. Is it going to be tough? Of course it's going to be tough. However, that what if factor is keeping me going through everything that I have dreams of. All my passion is backed by the question of what if. And I want you to do the same thing for yourselves with your journey with, through the path of whatever that may be. It doesn't have to be art. It could be business, it could be a family, it could be a personal revelation, it could be a religious or spiritual guide, you know, a path that you're trying to go down. Never stop asking, what if? And I promise you, if you don't, amazing things will happen. All right, guys, I'm going to go to quick commercial break. When I come back, we have Daphne Reed on the line, so don't go anywhere. Hey everybody, this is Jason and I have something I want to talk to you guys about. Last year, as you know, so many of my family suffered a stroke. 
These things come on unannounced, and it can cost you your life. Why? Because it's usually from high blood pressure or clots, and you don't know you have these problems because it generally has no symptoms. One way to ensure that you don't have high blood pressure is to test it regularly. But who has the time to do it? You have to sit down, strap a blood pressure cuff on, and take the test. And they are bulky and hard to travel with. Now there's a product called Helo LX. The stylish piece of technology not only looks good, but it tests your vitals all the time on demand. Check your blood pressure, see how many steps you've done, see your heart rate, see how much sleep you get, how many calories you burn. It checks it all while you do what you want to do. Then you can check the results right on an app on your phone. I bought it for my family members, and you should too. To get yours, go to amemagazine.worldgn.com and get it or any of their stylus accessories. In doing so, you'll invest in your health and help the AME experience get our word out and be the voice of artists everywhere. So what are you waiting for? That address again is amemagazine.worldgn.com. Hi everyone, my name is Darius Norman, the author of the new book entitled Rewriting Financial Rules. Have you wondered and needed advice in terms of repairing and building your credit? Do you need strategies to boost and to see quick results in building your credit? Do you need to learn how to protect yourself against financial predatory companies like debt collecting? Well, look no further. Rewriting Financial Rules is the perfect book to give you the step-by-step process to adjust and make those changes financially. Hey, this is Marshall Hilton. You're listening to AME Radio with your host, Jason. Kick butt, Jason. Now this is a story all about how my life got flipped, turned upside down, and I'd like to take a minute, just sit right there, I'll tell you how I became the prince of a town called Bel Air. In West Philadelphia, born and raised on the playground is where I spent most of my days. Chilling out, maxing, relaxing, all cool and all shooting some b-ball outside of the school. When a couple of guys who were up to no good started making trouble in my neighborhood. I got in one little fight and my mom got scared and said, you're moving with your auntie and uncle in Bel Air. I whistled for a cab and when it came near, the license plate said pressure it a dice in the mirror. If anything, I can say that this cab was rare, but I thought, man, forget it, yo, home's the Bel Air. I pulled up to the house about seven or eight and I yelled to the cabbie, yo home, smell you later. Looked at my kingdom, I was finally there to sit on my throne as the Prince of Bel-Air. Welcome back, everybody. We have on the line with us a special guest. Now, if you grew up in the 1990s, I'm sure you know exactly who I'm going to be talking to today. Her name is Daphne Maxwell-Reed. She was... Aunt Viv on Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. We all know that song. And uh, you know what's, what's amazing about her is she has so much creativity just just flowing, overflowing from her with all the things that she's done. She has also been a, uh, a respected artist. She's a designer, an educational an education activist. She is a shutterbug, which is a photographer. She is a... Um, she is also a designer of her own outfits, which I think is amazing. And she's got she just wants to inspire everybody. So welcome to the show, Daphne. How are you doing today? Thank you very much. I'm very well. Thank you. Well, thank you for being a part of this today. And you know, like we were talking before we got on here, you know, one of the things that I like to do is inspire people to do what they love to do and get into the arts because it's a great way to express yourself, yet it also makes the world a better place around you because somebody's going to love what you do and they're going to hang it on their wall or, you know, they're, they're going to wear the clothes or they're going to look back at the TV stuff and just say, wow, I remember that. That brought back good memories. So, you know, what got you into being an artist and an entertainer? I happened into it following my path, and my path was through education and going to college and taking advantage of opportunities as they presented themselves. And a lot of my opportunities came in the form of different aspects of art. And uh, I was blessed when I was born with uh, different talents, different ways of expressing things, and I would like to honor those blessings by doing the best I can and sharing them. Hmm. So what do you have a specific art form that you love the most, or do you like them all equally the same? 
I like a lot of different art forms, and it depends on my mood, the day, the inspiration around me. I love art, and I think art is an essential part of living a well-rounded life. I'm also very smart, and I believe in technology and education and knowing hard facts as well. But in order to be a well-rounded human being and to relate to the other creatures that live on this earth, art is one of the best resources that we have. You're right, and it's actually like what I, I always tell people, it is a universal language because it doesn't matter where you go in this world. People know what it is and they know how to use it. They just may not be able to say exactly what it is that's on that picture, like a lion, maybe something else in a different in a different uh, language. But we all know what that lion is. So it is a way of yeah. communicating all around without any boundaries. Yes, and I like to communicate through photography because I like people to see certain things as I see them. Mm-hmm. They, I like to be inspired by something my... I guess my focus is on doors from around the world, and I am inspired by taking pictures of doors where I want to share what I see in the doors and point out certain things that impress me, such as craftsmanship or texture, color, um, what nature has done to the door, what man has done to the door, and the just the thought that the door represents opportunity or curiosity or adventure mm. and can serve as a metaphor for life. Yes. And you know what I love about doors? And I, I don't know if you've ever had experienced that, but like when I get close to a door, like if I'm going to go into, into like an old church or if I'm going to go into like an old type of uh, house or, or building or something like that, because I, I used to go to St. Augustine a lot. I loved it out there. But when I get up to that door, I can feel the energy. And it, it's almost like it could, if I... it. It, it could speak to you in a story. You know, you can, if you touch it, you can, you can feel the people that have gone through there. You can see some of the good things that have happened, the bad things that have happened. It, it really is a portal to the past, but it's also right there in the future as well. Yes, and it's an opportunity for you to explore something new. Mm-hmm. I love that. Uh, what, other th- what other things do you like in f- about photography? Do you have any other focuses other than doors, or do you like landscapes, uh, uh, do you like um, uh, architecture or anything like that? Well, my degree from Northwestern is in interior design and architecture. So, yes, I like architecture, mm-hmm. but I focus mostly on the details of architecture. Right. I also like landscapes and I like um, flowers. I like to do micro photography, very close shots of flowers. I like to do also um, photos of Unique things that are common things, but if you shoot them a certain way, they become far more interesting than they are in the whole. So mm-hmm. I shoot pieces of things and um, gatherings of things and things that express themselves differently than just you walking by and seeing it in its situ. Mm-hmm. When I started out with photography, one of the things that I always focused on was landscapes myself and animals, and, you know, I just love, I love life. But one of the things I couldn't do when I was growing up very well was draw humans, and I loved humans because I believe that it's an amazing art form. You know, our bodies are so special. Everyone's unique. Everything has a special, every, every uh, wrinkle is earned. Every, every scar is, is, is fought for, and it makes us who we are. So one of the things that I tried to focus on was people. And I love to be able to put them in different positions and tell stories with people. And I think one of the things that I've learned along the way is the best way to tell a story with a human being isn't necessarily the body in itself. It's when you focus on the eyes because the eyes tell a story that no oh, yeah. photography, no, no photo can just capture by itself. And I love that. Yeah, the eyes have it <laughs> for sure. So, you, you know, on, t- on top of this, you decided to have your own uh, style, your own cl- custom clothing line called Daphne Style. Um, and this is Chinese silk broad, uh, brocade jackets, uh, which is like a wearable form of art. This is, a, this is awesome. How did you get into something like that? I've been sewing since I was about nine years old, and uh, I have always made my own clothing. And sometimes I make something that strikes me as a unique expression of how I'm feeling. And when I first started working with the Chinese silk brocade, I found that 
what I wore was getting a lot of attention. Mm-hmm. And people would ask me, oh, where did you get that? And I would say, I made it. And they said, oh, make me one. And for years, I said, no. <laughs> so about three years ago, I finally said yes and started a custom label. And they're allowed to pick their own um, fabrics out of a huge array that I have access to. And uh, I love seeing these bejeweled people walking by because it's the coats that I make are like donning a piece of jewelry because mm-hmm. the colors are so vibrant and rich that they accent like a statement necklace would do. Sure. But it's a coat. And I get a real charge out of seeing the glee <laughs> that people have when they get to wear one of Daphne's style. Mm. And you know what I like about that type of stuff too is you're making something that brings out a personality because everybody has a different personality. Everybody likes things that are different than other ones. So you're actually making a, a unique piece for them to help identify them and and help them stand out in the world and express themselves, which is which is fun. You know, I I can't see anything more fun than that. And it's what art should be. Mm-hmm. How do you get? How, how do you tap into their personality when you do this? Do you do you like? interview them a little bit? Do you talk with them? Do you sit down and, and, and chat? How do, you get, how do you get to know their personality, to know exactly how to make that particular coat for them? They have, it's only a one-style coat. Okay. Where I get their personality is in the fabric that they choose. Mm. Some are more subdued than others, and some are bright and gay. <laughs> and <laughs> enjoy being... Uh, an alarm clock <laughs> rather than a snooze button. <laughs> That's cool. Have you made anything for any one person, uh, somebody special, anybody that we would all know? And what was their what was their take on it when they saw it? Oh, probably not anybody that anybody would know. Just my clients that I run into. So what do you hope that happens from this? I mean, how, how far do you want it to grow? Do you want it to take it into something where it's going to be uh, mass-produced, like with its own style, or do you want to just keep it the way it is and just kind of tailor it to certain people uh, as they come up to you and, and want one? You sound like my husband. <laughs> <laughs> I like the custom nature of it. I think it keeps it special. And I would prefer to sell them as art pieces than off-the-rack coats. Hmm. I don't but believe you. my mind may change. Who knows? I grow with what I learn. That's true. And, you know, that's, that's what I like about art is that it's, if you, can, you can do something for a while, but it can grow with you. And if you're willing to make that change and, and, and expand it, you know, the sky's the limit. Yes, I found that with the photography that I did as well. Mm -hmm. I found that I had shot a lot of doors, but in order to have a gallery show, I had to decide on a topic, and I had a lot of doors. So that was the opening of my gallery uh, expositions. I did series of doors. Well, I got to talk about them so many times that I said, well, let me write these stories down. And as I wrote the stories down, I said, well, let me make this into a book. Mm. And in taking that journey, I learned how to do set up on a book, how to do all of the graphics and all of the things I needed to do. And then I learned how to publish. It was a wonderful journey, but not just because I wanted to show pictures of doors. It was because I wanted to express what those doors meant to me, and books were how I managed to do it. Mm-hmm. And to date, I've got four books on doors, and I got so good at publishing that I finally published a cookbook that I've been working on for 36 years. So that's another book that I've got out in the field now and I'm promoting. Yes, that's what I was about to talk to you about as well, because I love cookbooks, and I, I, I kind of just discovered cooking myself. You know, I was always intimidated by it, <laughs> and I guess you could see why. I mean, people burn themselves. They, you make stuff that doesn't necessarily taste good, and, you know, it, it can be a little bit daunting, and I love it now that I've been able to try stuff and, you know, make things that taste good for my family and stuff like that, so... What are some of the, the, the recipes from this particular cookbook? Is this like family recipes passed down? Is this stuff that you've run across throughout your lifetime and just really enjoy? And it's like, you know, dishes that are special to you? 
The cookbook is a memoir, basically, of my life, and uh, it has a whole section on growing up in the family environment that I grew up in in New York, and it goes on to tell you how to set up a kitchen, how to do basic things, and what basic terms are, what they mean. Mm -hmm. And then it has, for each recipe, it has a little story of where I got the recipe from, and then I give you the recipe, and then at the bottom of the page, I give you the utensils that you need to make that recipe. So you can gather that before mm. you get started and know what you're getting ready to do. You know, that is probably the, one of the most cool things I've seen because I know when I sit there and make some of these recipes, I don't know what to use. You know, you kind of get an idea, <laughs> but I mean, if you have it all pointed out to somebody, it makes it, some for somebody that's never cooked something like that, a lot easier. They'll feel better. They won't sit there and go, oh, oh what, what do I need? You know, do I need this? Or when they start cooking it, then they realize, oh, I needed something like this. I like that. A meal is a great way to share experiences with people it is and i found that sitting down and eating with someone especially if somebody has cooked that and you've been a part of it or you can appreciate the effort that went into it it makes it all the richer it's a gift and i think cooking should be a gift even a daily gift for your family mm -hmm. so what's one of your favorite recipes even if it's not in the book, what's your what's one of your favorite dishes that you just love and it, it, it just comforts you? I make a mean guacamole. Ooh. <laughs> you know, I just I just recently turned myself into guacamole because I was like, you know, I, I don't know why. Maybe it was just because it was green and it just I didn't I didn't trust it at one point, but I had some fall on a taco chip and I was like, eh, I'm too lazy to wipe it off. So I ate it, and I am addicted to it now. I'm like, my oh, goodness, yeah. that's so good. <laughs> <laughs> I know people who say, I don't like avocados, but I love guacamole. <laughs> I'm going, ah, that's a little hard to do. <laughs> right. It's like, you know, people that say, you know, I don't like ketchup, but, you know, I love tomatoes. You know, it's like the same thing, right? It's a different thing. <laughs> no. Ketchup is a sugar fat. No. Tomatoes are a whole different thing animal. But another one of my favorite recipes and one that my family loves is my uh, moussaka, Ooh. which is a lamb dish, which is really good. Mm. So where did you learn to cook? Did you learn to cook from your mom or your grandmother or anybody like that? Everybody, everybody cooked. Yeah. Mm. I mean, that's how you grew up. <laughs> <laughs> there was not the fast food world that there is now. And we didn't come from a family that had the resources to go out and eat every night. No, right. my mom was a great cook. So we got a lot of new things, and we traveled a lot. She traveled a lot. So we had interesting new things that came into the house that we adapted and um, made us have a great wide palate. Mm. You know, I remember watching my grandmother cook when I was younger, and it always amazed me because she would save little scraps of whatever whatever was left over. Um, could have been mm -hmm. some extra um, uh, noodles or something. And I'll tell you what, she put it in these little jars, and it was just lined up in her refrigerator. But when we needed to cook something, she could pull those things out and make an amazing dish with it. I was always so we amazed We call those refrigerated meals. Yes. <laughs> Yes, and and you love know they're they're so good, and that's what I loved about it. And I, it just amazed me because I can't do that like she did. I just can't. Oh, you can. You will. When you have Chinese food, you have leftover rice. Right. We always make rice pudding. It's so easy. <laughs> you don't even get to put the rice away. You just make the rice pudding, stick it in the oven while you're eating your Chinese food. <laughs> See, there you go. You just taught me something. I didn't even think about something like that. Yeah. Leftover potatoes, leftover vegetables. Oh, stick it in a pot, make soup. Mm -hmm. There's lots of things you can do so you don't waste food. But I give you also hints on what to keep in your pantry and in your refrigerator so that you could make a meal without going out to the store. Absolutely. So... One of the things that we haven't touched on yet is your television career. Obviously, you were on Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. What have you been doing since then? Have you been involved with the uh, television or movies or anything like that that people uh, may, may have seen or things that you're working on in that realm that we haven't seen yet? I was on television 20 years before Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Mm -hmm. I have a 
very long history on television. A lot of CBS shows um, went back to, I was a guest star on the WKRP in Cincinnati, on Simon and Simon, Hill Street Blues, shows that people don't even remember. I love those um, shows. The A-Team. I had a couple of episodes on the A-Team. I've been a working actress for a long time. And mm-hmm. since Fresh Prince, I did a lot more television. We did a series called Lynx that was on Showtime for two years. And I guest starred on a show called Ease. And lots of different things. I'll pop up just about anywhere. <laughs> so you're still actively, if, if you get a role or something like that, that somebody wants to uh, cast you and you, you'll still do it. I'm up there. <laughs> All right. Yep. I like that. So we're just about out of time here. Uh, tell everybody how they can find your book, uh, your cookbooks, and anything else that they might want to uh, explore, maybe maybe talk to you about some of these uh, doors that you love, or um, just see what you got going on in your life. How, how can people find you? Anybody can find me very easily at my website, which is DaphneMaxwellReed.com. I kept it simple. <laughs> And it has all of my uh, different uh, hobbies, jobs. (laughs) It has uh, my bio on there to tell you what I've been doing lately or what I did 40 years ago. Or it has my books. It has my uh, whole section on Daphne style and the different uh, things that I've been doing with that, New York Fashion Week and some of the pictures of the models that I've used. And uh, it also has a general statement on how I feel about what I do. Mm. So I'm there, DaphneMaxwellReed.com. And before you go, what would be some of your advice that you can give to anybody that's trying to do something in the art field um, that might help them, might encourage them, or might steer them in the direction that they need to be in? My advice is it's never too late. You are inspired, go with it. Jump off the cliff and see where it takes you. It's a fabulous way to have a journey. Mm-hmm. Well, Daphne, thank you for coming on and being a part of this. Again, I've had a lot of memories watching a lot of the shows that you've been on, and I wish you all the best with everything that you got going on with your new cookbooks and your books and your photography and your clothing line. That's just awesome. I love that. <laughs> so, um, I, thank you know, you. I wish you all the best, and hopefully we'll be able to get you back on here again and talk some more uh, cool stuff that you have going on. Hey, anytime, Jason. It was wonderful meeting you. You thank too. Thank you very much for having me. Anytime, anytime. Okay. All right, guys, we're going to go to a quick commercial break. When we come back, we have so much more, so don't go anywhere. Jason Dowd of Imagination Art Studios is proud to announce the release of his steampunk collection, which is currently on tour across the country. There you will see beautiful handmade masks from Venice, Italy, that accentuate beautiful women to create amazing stories and feelings to those who visit the collection. Each photo series has a theme, mask, authentic props, and beautifully elaborate outfits, all collaborated in the mind of Jason Dowd to create the right emotion and feeling. The masks come from a shop in Epcot at the Italian Pavilion, where all these photos are on display for you to see. This is one of the biggest accomplishments of his career, having his work at Disney. Come see the beautiful first release of the series, which includes Distressed Dancer, Spanish Serenade, The Pied Piper, and Reaching for the Czars. You can see them in person or online at www.imaginationartstudios.com. For more information, visit the website. Again, it's imaginationartstudios.com. Our Facebook is Imagination Art Studios. Twitter is at Dow Studios. And Instagram is at Jason Dow. Come and be mesmerized by the masks and the stories behind them. Hi, this is Jamie Lunar. You remember me from Melrose Place? I listen to AME Radio Show. Welcome back, everybody. We have on the line with us our special guest. Her name is Shelley Skindrani. She's an actress best known for her role in The Devil's Arithmetic, and she's starring in uh, a new in a new film called Phoning It In, which is she's going to be playing Astrid, and she's also co-starring in a or co-hosting an online talk show called Black Sheep Revelations, which is going to be a little bit of different things that are going on, and she, they're going to poke fun at. It's going to be a lot of fun, and she's here to talk to us about everything that she's got going on in her life and the things that she loves the most, which is acting and, and entertaining. So, welcome to the show, Shelley. How are you doing today? 
thank you so much for having me, Jason. I appreciate it. Thank you. I'm glad you're. I'm glad you're able to join us today. And you know, we love talking about things that we're most passionate about because we believe that you know, if you put it something out there. It's, it's it can only grow and, and make something amazing for yourselves and I love when people are able to follow their passions so obviously one of your passions is being an entertainer when did you decide that maybe acting was something that you wanted to do full-time as a as a career well I mean I started acting when I was nine I did a lot of theater but I think as a kid it was more um, something to do that was like teamwork and I got to meet a lot of people I think the first time I started thinking of it as a career um, is actually when I when I did the Devil's Arithmetic because um, you know obviously you get paid more mm-hmm. <laughs> for That's films true. than you do for theater, and so it, you know logistically became something that I could do, and also I I thoroughly enjoy traveling and um, it was a film that took us to Lithuania, um, it was an incredible experience and I also I mean the film is a Holocaust film mm-hmm. and I'm Jewish. So I got to be a part of something that was really important to me, mm-hmm. um, just also on a spiritual and on a human level. And so all of that combined, you know, the fun, the travel, um, doing something that matters, suddenly made me realize that this could be a career. Hmm. So what do you like more about the acting field? Is it live theater, or do you like the movies? Do you like television, or do you like it all equally? And, and what, which one possesses more of a challenge for you? Wow, that's a really tough question. It's like a Sophie's Choice right there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think they each have elements that I really enjoy. Um, I did theater for about 17 years of my life, Mm -hmm. and I think theater really is an actor's medium. When you're on that stage, it really is all about your work. The audience, they feel the energy, they know whether you're connected to what you're saying, to the character or not. There's nothing that can, you know, there's no editing or directing that can fix a problem if you are not present. And therefore, I think it's rewarding um, because, one, you feel more powerful as an actor, and you can also get the feedback right away. Um, I remember there was a role that I played, um, Alma Weinmiller, uh, in Summer and Smoke by Tennessee Williams, and she's a very complex character. And um, she's the daughter um, of a minister, and she's in love with a neighbor, and she's got this kind of situation in her life where she has to keep up appearances of being this pure person, but then she has all these passions inside, and it would make her very nervous. And one of the ways that you could tell that she was nervous is that she had a very strange laugh. It was actually written that way, and it took me a while to develop a laugh <laughs> that was kind of sweet, but on the other hand, really awkward and weird. And I remember as Nacho standing on the stage, and every time that I wanted to just kind of feel the audience and know that I had them, I would bring the laugh, and they would laugh with me, and then I knew they were there. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that you don't get in film. Um, but on the other hand, with film you get to travel, you get to do things that are on a much larger scale, Um, you get to, you know, you have close-ups, which are also an incredible challenge, um, because, you know, you really have to feel everything, and um, you get to reach a much larger audience, so I think both of those aspects appeal to me, but of course, upon moving to LA, you know, my main focus became film, although... You know, one day I might find myself in New York doing some Broadway and getting back to my roots again. Mm. So, have you had the chance to play the role that you really wanted to be? I mean, everybody has that dream character that they'd like to play. Have you had the chance to play that yet? And if and if you haven't, what is that character for you? I think I'm going to disappoint you by saying that I've never had a dream character. <laughs> I know that sounds really strange. But I feel like every single character has its own merit. I can say that, you know, there's specific genres that I'd really like to do that I haven't done thus far. I'd really love to be in a sci-fi and have a more action-y role. I did do um, a TV pilot years ago that was a sci-fi that I played this um, uh, the sheriff on a spaceship. Mm-hmm. And I had some great fight scenes in it. Um, unfortunately, it wasn't picked up, so I never got to kind of go fully along with that. 
but I'd love to have a kind of actually maybe like a female Indiana Jones slash Tomb Raider. In fact, to be honest, I think Indiana Jones is what started me on this whole acting thing to begin with because I just, I, I fell in love with the character and I wanted to be an archaeologist and then I found out that archaeology isn't quite as exciting as uh, as Indiana Jones is, <laughs> um, you know, sitting in a desert with a toothbrush, you know, brushing off all old uh, um, bones is not quite quite as riveting. And then I realized that actually the, the fun and the adventure that I want to have would be in, in film. So I'd really love to have a kind of a piece like that where I'm, you know, like a traveler or, you know, an archaeologist and there's adventure and, you know, things to discover that's kind of a role that I'd love to do and I haven't I haven't done anything like that mm. yet so tell us a little bit about this this character Astrid that you're playing in phoning it in what's the movie about what's your character about and what made you want to play this character okay so I can I there's you know I, there's only so much I can say sure. um, but Astrid is, a, is about it's a, a film about a woman who cannot make decisions she's had a trauma in her childhood um, that has created the space where she can't make decisions and it stops her from progressing in her life. Um, and then along the way, she meets with the guides and, and people and she um, discovers ways of making decisions and it opens up her whole world. And I was really attracted to this role because I think in today's age, it's just, it really is so hard to make decisions because it's not like it was, you know, when our parents uh, were, you know, starting their lives where you had a few options, you know, you'd go and work in an office or you'd go and work on this and you'd work for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. For it's just so much more dynamic and um, the world is so much more open that really you have a plethora of options, but then how do you decide? Mm -hmm. And I often feel like, I would love to maybe take some classes in decision-making skills because I feel like it's something that, you know, the faster you're able to make a decision and, and, and move forward, then the easier it is to progress. And I, I feel like a lot of people today really just don't know what to decide. It's very confusing time, you know, for better or worse, because everything is possible, but then what do you do? And I just think that it's, um, it's the kind of character that would touch a lot of hearts and I think it would also open a lot of people up to the idea of moving forward and not being afraid and letting go of, you know, old ideas that you had about how life is meant to be and being in the here and now. Sure. Um, so it, I was really attracted to playing something like this. Now, this is a featured film, so this is going to be coming out in theaters. Do you have an idea when it's going to be coming out? Um, so we're going to be shooting it towards the end of the year, and beyond yeah. that, I have no control. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, th you said something really interesting about your characters, that something happened to her, so as she gets older, she has a hard time making decisions. Is that a real condition? I mean, is this something that, that can really happen to people? Um, I think, you know, condition is a big word. You know, like, people have OCD, and they can have, you know, 5% OCD or 100% OCD. So right. I wouldn't, you know, I'm not a, a doctor to say if it's a condition, but I, I know that a lot of people that I've spoken to um, that have had things happen in their lives have then been stunted in understanding. For instance, let's say, um, you know, a friend who's made a bad decision um, in, a, in marrying the wrong person, for instance, might then never know how to make the right decision to ever marry again. Mm -hmm. Right. Or or somebody that made the wrong decision in their career or, let, you know, made a big mistake would then distrust their own decision making skills. And I think that that's something that happens to a lot of people on, at various different levels. I know from a personal standpoint, you know, um, I have decision making skills mm -hmm. um, that are that could be developed. You know, mm -hmm. I, I definitely, um, you know, there's certain perhaps career choices that I've made or, you know, you always look back and you say, well, if I would have done this, and then when you come to make that decision again, it takes longer to make it because you don't want to make a mistake. Sure. So I think, I mean, I don't know if I would call it a condition, but I do know that it's, uh, it's very common these days. Hmm. I didn't even realize that. And, you know, that, that's, that's uh, 
eye-opening to me because, I mean, for me, I've never had a problem with that, but oh, I could see how, <laughs> but I could see how how uh, frustrating it could be to people that do have it. Because I, I don't know what I would, you know, just sitting here listening to you talk about that, I'm sitting here thinking to myself, how, how, how hard it would, would it be for me to not be able to make a decision? I would get really frustrated very easily. Right. I mean, I've seen people fall apart from this. Like, friends, I've, I've seen it. I've seen people just, like, get to a point. I've had friends call me up and, and cry for three hours because they don't know what to do. Mm. You know, and they need outside guidance. And sometimes, you know, it's, just a friend saying, hey, it's okay if you say, if you decide that you want to do this, that's good. Go for it. You know, but sometimes people, people need more than that. That's true. I've seen it. Now, you also are co-hosting a show called Black Sheep Revelations. So uh, the, the name pretty much tells what it's going to be about. It's, <laughs> so I like that. What kind of, what kind of things are you, um, what kind of things are you going to be talking about? Um, you know, we really just, we want to talk about, first of all, things that are on the news that are, you know, happening on a regular basis and how we react to it. But we also, we want to talk about how things are perceived mm -hmm. in the world. Because, you know, we, oh, so, again, how much can I reveal? This is really interesting. Um, so the idea of perhaps, you know, what do we think about having a conversation via texting versus having a conversation via a phone call? Mm -hmm. And how has our community changed? And how is communication changing? And can we really get to know somebody through text messages? Is that really support? If your friend texts you that they're upset and you say and you text them back instead of calling them and having a conversation, how is that really going to affect your relationship? And how is it going to affect their state of being? So, I, so for instance, that's just one of the subjects. And obviously, everything's going to be funny. Um, and, you know, we're attracting, like, a younger audience, um, but we really want to just, like, break apart things like how, what is, a, what is really friendship, you know, what is really dating, mm -hmm. what is really, um, you know, what is really being spiritual, you know, because, uh, you know, spiritual is, is something that's, you know, very fashionable now, mm -hmm. but a lot of people say that they're spiritual because perhaps they you know, put pictures on the wall that look spiritual or listen to a, you know, a, a podcast once a month, but how is their behavior in their day-to-day -day and their day-to-day -day activities, how does that reflect their spirituality? So it's actually really deep things about society mm -hmm. um, and also things that come up on the news and our reactions to it. Um, but it going to be in a really funny way because, you know, we both believe that we're kind of black sheep and we've always seen things a little bit differently and we're trying to empower people to, you know, be okay with being different, mm -hmm. be okay with being who they are and feeling who they are and, you know, like if, if you don't like that somebody behaves a certain way to you, that is okay mm -hmm. because it's your right to be treated the way you want to be treated, whereas Oftentimes in society, people will say, well, you know, that's just how it is, and you're strange for not accepting it, you know? I mean, sorry to bring it up, but look at the, um, at the Me Too movement that's happening right now. I mean, up until six months ago, it seemed to be okay, didn't it? Yeah. And then suddenly the whole world burst open, and, and all these things came out, and suddenly it's not okay to behave that way towards a woman in the workplace. Mm -hmm. So... How many times in your life have you felt, as a person, that something is not okay, but because you didn't want to make a big deal, or you didn't want to say anything, or you didn't want to be the weirdo that causes the drama, you let it happen, and it's hurt you, and it's hurt your progress as a person, or it's hurt your feelings, and you just don't want to speak out. So part of what we want to do with the show is air all these things and give people the right to feel good about who they are and their own needs and be true to themselves. So by being the first black sheep that are having these revelations openly with people. Well, I'll tell you, I was born to be a black sheep. And I, even if I didn't <laughs> want to be a black sheep, I became the black sheep. And um, it, it's, it is funny because, you know, I have to, you know, and I also have no inner monologue. So it's like sometimes it's like if I'm thinking something, I say it out loud and I'm like, and everybody looks at me like I'm the weird guy. And it's like, what? <laughs> 
you know. No, you're healthy. It's good. (laughs) (laughs) So I can embrace a show like that very well. I mean, I'm, I'm definitely am am a black sheep of black sheep in 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 many many ways. (laughs) And honestly, like I don't think you choose to be a black sheep. No, I think black sheep chooses you. That's right. Because if you're choosing to be a black sheep, are you really a black sheep, or are you just trying to rebel? Right. I think it's just it's within you. It, it's, you're either the person that's going to be true to themselves and think slightly out of the box and differently, or you're not, you know? That's right. And, you know, I have to embrace it because, no matter, I mean, I was picked on it for, you know, when I was a kid because I, you know, if everybody wore, you know, the Z Cavaricis back when I was younger and stuff like that, I came in wearing, like, Levi's, and everybody's like, <gasps> you know, it's like, you're not conforming to us. So I never had friends, but you know what? That was just me, and sometimes I just did it by dumb luck. You know, it's just like, hey, uh, this looks good today, and everybody came in supposed to be wearing black, and I'd be wearing, uh, you know, white and saying, what the heck's going on? <laughs> right, and and I mean, can you, I mean, can you understand why, to me, for instance, the fact that everybody wore one thing and you wore another, and suddenly you were an outsider? I mm-hmm. mean, don't you? I mean, don't you see how petty that is? It is. It really is. To begin is. with, and and that's the kind of things we want to talk about. Like, let the person wear the Levi's. It's okay. Why? Why does everybody, all the fish, want to swim in one direction? You know, and and I think that some of us maybe aren't fish. Maybe we're dolphins. You know, or maybe we're crabs. Maybe we're, you know, something else. Mm. Well, I definitely am the one that that have was always something else, and and I, I like it. I, I like it. You know, I I realize that if everybody, if I was, if everybody was just like me, this world would be a very boring place. It'd be interesting, but a very boring place at the same time. <laughs> right. Right, right, exactly. So it, it is good to be it, it is good to be your own person and, and be to your own drum. And you know, there are going to be some people that will embrace you, even though you did do something you know different. They're going to be like, "Oh, well, I like that too." So then they'll join you, and then before you know, it, you got your own little clique. Right, right. You know, and I think I think today it's actually really important to have a show like this, and I think it's important to to do it in a way that's lighthearted um, and that's fun because I think it's it's just time for people to be okay with who they are, even on a spiritual level, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, if we, go, if we go further, let's go further. You know, we were all brought to this planet to bring something to the planet. You know, I, I'm a believer. I'm a believer of God. And I believe that we were, you know, brought here to serve a purpose of some kind. And if you're not true to who you are as a person, how can you ever serve that purpose to the universe? That's true. That is so true. Sorry, I went a little... Uh, spiritual on you right there <laughs> <laughs> no big deal it's just a spiritual bomb boom but it was good <laughs> i like it <laughs> so um you know and i know we got we're running out of time here but i would okay. like to touch a little bit on your travels i mean you've been to south america you've been to india some places that i would love to have been able to see and then you said when you came to america it was a culture shock of being an immigrant um, you know, my grandparents came here as immigrants, too. Um, they saw the wars coming out in Germany uh, before World War One, and wow. realized that, you know, this isn't the place where they wanted to be. So they, t- they, they beat feet over here to, to the United States. And, and a lot of us have to fight our own family over there. And it was kind of a, an interesting ordeal. So, I, wow. you know, I'm, I'm not an immigrant, but I'm not too far off from where my grandparents came over here because I'm only the third generation here. So I kind of feel it. What's it like to actually be in, that, in those shoes? Ooh, it's a heavy question. Um, well, first of all, it's a culture shock. Um, just things are expressed differently. I know for a while, you know, people thought that maybe I was too outspoken or too, um, like, I don't know, like, aggressive, but not really aggressive, just like I kind of said what I thought and I didn't realize. Mm -hmm. So it was a a few years of kind of figuring out how to be assertive without being aggressive, how to be, you know, uh, sweet without being a pushover, like, because the balance is different any country that you live in. It's just a different, I mean, even if you think about, you know, New York versus Los Angeles versus the, the you know, the South. Different, right? Right. Um, but also, I, I think, you know, coming from a, a place where, um, you know, in, in England, in order to do anything, you have to first have a degree and a master's, and then you have to have, you know, a bunch of awards, and then you have to have 20 people tell you that you're allowed to do it, and then you have to have, like, you know, 
psychologically, you have to go through so much before you have the the guts to, to make any bold move. Mm-hmm. Um, in Israel, it's just hard to make bold moves because, you know, it's a small country and uh, the economy is, you know, tough and so you, to take risks is, is difficult. Um, and then in America, it's like, live the American dream. You can be anything you want. Take risks. Do business. And it was and I'm still to this day, you know, I have to talk myself into it, mm-hmm. you know, and I have to say, I, I am, I am capable, I can do this, and, and, and I take bigger and bigger moves and steps forward, so just that mentality, um, but also, you know, it, it takes a while to feel like you're home, and on top of that, you are always going to miss your family, mm-hmm. so, you know, and, and that's the thing, you know, the longer I'm here, and, and creating my life and all the beauty of creating my life, I also have a ton of family in Israel that, that I don't see on a regular basis. Um, so that's hard, too. Mm-hmm. And beginnings are hard. You know, it's all about who you know. When you come to a country and you don't know anybody, you know, it's hard to get an, an interview for the right, you know, uh, part in the film or, you know, to, to know which part of town is the good part of town to live in or to to meet friends that are of your kind of style that you're going to get along with. Beginnings, beginnings are tough, you know, but thank mm-hmm. God I've been here nine years and, and um, things have been great. So I'm very fortunate. Well, very, very fortunate. I'm glad it's working out for you. And, you know, I know that this place, if you if you utilize the, the opportunities that it does give you, you can have an amazing life. I know my grandfather came over here and I have the two coins that he brought over here, but that's the only two coins he had on his on his in his pocket. And that's he, amazing. And he said that, you know, he wasn't gonna sell these because these were his good luck. And uh, they were nineteen oh five like Liberty dollars or something like that that he got from exchange from, from Germany and he carried with him every single solitary day. He never he never took them out of his pocket. And then when he died, obviously we put him in a we put him in a box. My grandmother gave them to me uh, right before she passed away. So I have these things and you know, it's oh, it's incredible. it's it's special to know what people will do and he turned he turned he wasn't super rich. But he bought a farm on top of a hill in Bristol, which then, you know, it, it provided for a lot of people. And, you know, he was very happy. He had he had uh, five kids with uh, one of my grandmother. And, um, you know, it's it, we're continuing to go. And, you know, I'm part of that dream. It, even though right. I may not realize it, I am. And it, right. It, it's well, special. that's the thing. You need to realize it because they had a dream when they came over, you mm-hmm. know. That's right. Absolutely. That's amazing. Well, Shelley, we are just about out of time, so please tell everybody how they, how they can see this new uh, movie, uh, Phoning It In, how they can find you on Black Sheep Revelations, or how they can follow you and see what you got going on in uh, other upcoming projects. Sure. Well, um, first of all, you can uh, go on IMDb, and then all of my contact people are there. Uh, so it's Shelley Scandrani, S-H-E-L-L-Y. And then last name is S-K-A-N-D-R-A-N-I. And you can also go to Shelly'sGandrani.com, and that's where all the updates are constantly going to be. And then as things progress, you'll see more and more of my projects coming out. Well, Shelly, thank you for being such a great guest. I had a lot of fun with you today, and I've learned a lot. And <laughs> I, hopefully that you've been able to uh, you know, enjoy, enjoy your, your stay here and Hopefully it opens up far more opportunities than you've had so far. And uh, I can't wait to see what you have coming out. Thank you. Thank you so much. I had a blast. Thank you. You're welcome. All right, guys, we're going to go to a quick commercial break. When we come back, we have more, so don't go anywhere. Do you love horror, the strange and unusual fantasy creatures or urban legends? Do you want to step inside a dream or nightmare? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then you should check out internationally exhibiting artist Jason Dowd and his award-winning photographic collections by visiting www.imaginationartstudios.com. Get inside his mind and experience his inner weird. <laughs> Nothing can separate us Nothing can come between 
Hey, this is Jennifer McGill, and you're listening to my first single, Unbreakable. You can get it at jennifermcgill.com. Hey, this is Jen Lilly from Days of Our Lives, and you're listening to AME Radio Show. Welcome back, everybody. We are about ready to close out the show. We've got a few minutes left, and i got some things I'm going to talk about. But I hope that you enjoyed our guest today. I'll tell you what. Both women are extremely talented. They just, just are full of passion about what they do. They love entertaining you, and they're inspirational. Those are the people that I like to look up to, and they inspire me to do what I love to do. And I hope they'll do the same for you. Now, before we did Daphne's interview, I played the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air song. Now, I know she's been on a lot of amazing shows throughout her career, but the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air has a special meaning in my heart. I've watched it from day one to the last episode. There are I used to watch it before I, I went to some of my school dances. Um, my friends would, would get together and we would watch it. We would talk about it at school, and I still... I have a friend that can do the Carlton dance phenomenally, and he even has the same expressions. And every time I see him, his name is Danny, every time I see him, I always ask him to do the Carlton. So that show has a lot of special memories for me, and it was a, it's just something I wanted to hear again. And I think that uh, having her on that made it real for me, and I love that. And so she played another memory in my life. And uh, I guess before we go... I want to talk to you guys about a new show that I have out. It's called A Day in the Life Of, and I'm really excited about this. Now, we did one with Jennifer McGill, who was a part of the Mickey Mouse Club, another show that had a big impact in my childhood, and I got to be a Mouseketeer for a day. Even though they didn't officially make me a Mouseketeer, I felt like one. But she showed us around Hollywood Studios and where the Mickey Mouse Club was taped, and she shared some amazing stories about some of the people that she worked with, some of the history of the Hollywood studios, and, of course, her brand new CD. It was so much fun. I, I got I to say, it was probably one of the most incredible days of my life. And what I really thought was interesting about this is that I couldn't, I wasn't allowed to bring in my, my, my uh, full camera or my, uh, my microphones. So I had no choice but to tape that on my, on my cell phone. And I was really worried about the sound, but I realized that, you know, this is a theme park full of families having fun and, you know, so much adventure. And I like the background noise. I could drown it out with a regular microphone, but I think this brings something special to it. But if you watch that, I think it'll shock you that it was actually taped on a cell phone. So I think we did a bang-up job with what we had, and I made an amazing show that I think that you guys will learn a lot from and get to see Jennifer in a whole new light. So I hope you guys enjoy it. It's on our Roku channel. It's also on our on our YouTube channel. So go check that out when you get a chance. It's called A Day in the Life Of, and you can look it up under Jennifer McGill right now. And then we're working on trying to get Alicia G down here, and we're going to see how she lives her life, what she loves to do, partying, going to the beach, DJing, and so much more. So that's another episode we have coming up, hopefully in the next few weeks. We're still working on some funding to do it. If you're interested in helping us out, go to our website. We'll tell you how to do it. All right, guys, that's all we have for you guys this week. We are going to be back again, same time, same channel next week. And if you want to know what that is, here it goes. It is on amfm247.com every Friday at 7 o'clock a.m. Eastern Standard Time and on their 11 AMFM stations. And we're also, again, on the same network on Saturday at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Two different guests per show, four different guests per week. You're going to want to tune in each one. Then we are also on WKLAP every Friday at 12 o'clock noon Eastern Standard Time. We are on Radio Love, L-U-V, every Saturday night, 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We're on iTunes, and we are on iHeart as well. Go check us out. Follow us there as well. Uh, You get the show a week early, so it's really cool. It's like our VIP package. All right, guys, we will be back again next week, same time, same channel. Keep those creative juices flowing, and if you have something you want to say, let us know. We'd love to get you on. Stay safe. Keep those creative juices flowing. Good night, everybody.
That's the end? We're done. Calm down, people. Calm down. Okay? That's it.